Yeah, it's pretty quick. Yeah, nature has uh, some really amazing uh, uh, properties for us, and uh, yeah, mycelium is uh, is an amazing uh, is an amazing product uh, that that does all these things by itself, right? You let the mycelium grow into these agricultural waste products, and so the kind of the knife cuts on both sides. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Gray Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction innovation and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. My guest today is Thomas Van Heren. He is the Chief Operating Officer at Ecovative, where he is responsible for the mycelium, composites, and raw materials business lines across the United States and Europe. Ecovative's composites products are focused on replacing single-use plastic for applications ranging from packaging to construction materials. Welcome to the show, Thomas. Thanks, Todd. Nice, nice to be here, and thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So how'd you get into this industry and uh, the mycelium uh, world more specifically? Yeah, my, my, my path into the mycelium world has been, uh, I, I would say, uh, a, a non-traditional path. I actually have a background in banking. I, I worked in banking for almost a decade. Um, and when I just uh, was sick and tired of working in finance, I uh, decided to go back to school. And so I went to business school here in New York, Columbia, um, and then through a connection was uh, was introduced to the founders of Ecovative, Evan Bayer and Gavin McIntyre. Um, and eventually they brought me on to lead the composites business and eventually also the raw materials business. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a a non-traditional path uh, compared to other people who work in in the mycelium space. Yeah. So, what spoke to you to to pull you over? I think um, you know the, the great thing about Ecovative is that they are bringing uh, alternative materials to markets that are truly sustainable, that actually don't have plastics in it, and that are really going to make a difference in the world. Um, whether it's on the packaging, uh, whether it's with our packaging materials, or uh, with our uh, our bacon and our vegan leather and foam. Uh, I think those are all really excellent products um, that you know truly will, uh, will truly have the the opportunity to make a difference. So yeah, yeah, I'm excited to be a part of that. Very cool, very cool. So you guys were spotlighted during Autodesk University on the, the main stage for your work with the Project Venus and its mission to kind of revolutionize sustainable housing. Uh, as a quick recap, can you give the the listeners kind of a, a high level overview of what Project Phoenix is? So um, Project Phoenix is an affordable housing development in Oakland, California, uh, that a consortium of companies are working on uh, that include obviously Autodesk, um, uh, MBH Architects, uh, Factory OS, who is an offsite builder modular of modular housing, um, as well as Chrysler and Associates, who make um, FRP uh, facade panels. And so Ecovative was brought in by David Benjamin, who is a longstanding supporter and innovator in the architect slash mycelium space. Uh, about 10 years ago, he actually uh, did an installation at the MoMA PS1 in Queens, New York, um, where he built a large tower using our mycelium uh, bricks. Um, and so he's been involved uh, in the mycelium space as well as in the architecture world for, for a long time. And so he brought that whole group together to develop a, um, a carbon neutral or even a carbon negative facade uh, to this uh, to this to this building project, um, so yeah, we're really excited to be a part of that. That's awesome. So, for those who 
don't know what what is a mycelium brick and how how do you go about using that? Yeah, yeah, we we, we actually don't use mycelium bricks for this one. Let me let me kind of take a few steps back. So uh, mycelium is the root structure of mushrooms, um, and um, obviously in the traditional mushroom growing setting. Uh, the mycelium grows in the substrate and eventually it thins into a mushroom. Um, Ecovative has found ways to use mycelium in different ways. Um, for our bacon and leather and foam products, we grow 100% mycelium slabs that we then harvest and treat into these alternative materials. But actually the first product that Ecovative brought to market about uh, 15 years ago actually um, was a way to use mycelium as a uh, as a as a binding agent, as a as a glue for uh, agricultural waste products, um, and so you can use it as a replacement for styrofoam or other EPS foams. Um, and so, yeah, in, with our bricks, that is that is one uh, you know product that we uh, use this this uh, technology for. Uh, but we're primarily focused on packaging and now on these sandwich core panels. So, you know, look at it as if you have a facade panel. That will be filled up with EPS or you know kind of a, a styrofoam, which is the brand name, obviously. But you know an EPS material or polyiso material, you can use um, uh, mycelium-based cores for that. We use a hemp herd, which is a high carbon sequestering material. And if you use that material, um, you know you get to a final uh, carbon negative position rather than obviously highly carbon positive uh, position when you use. A petroleum-based product like styrofoam or polyiso. Yeah, interesting. So, what kind of inspires you guys to, to partner on the the Project Phoenix journey, uh, and kind of what were what were your goals in that? And then we'll we'll drill more into the mycelium and the ins and outs of, of that here in a second. Yeah, again. So, what brought us there was was really you know David Benjamin's uh, vision and and leadership. He he really is is the driving force behind that and bringing all that part all those parties together. You know, at, at Ecovative, we we joke sometimes that we are the world's leading uh, uh, we are the world's leading manufacturer of um, building and construction materials using mycelium, but we don't actually have a product out in the market. And, you know, the reason why that is because when Ecovative was founded, we had initially focused on packaging and building materials, but 10, 15 years ago, people were not looking at, um, you know, weren't jumping up and down for sustainable materials like that mm. as they were today. And so, you know, throughout the years, we pivoted into a different direction, you know, for example, in, in our in our bacon and, and leather and foam products um, and had, uh, you know, kept the uh, composites business going but with less of a focus um than than we are right now um you know and david brought that really back to the table where he saw a direct line of sight of a replacement of a petroleum-based product with a mycelium uh, product and um yeah i think the core you know the, the core product actually is a really good place to start for a mycelium product um you don't have any of the issues with, you know, structural integrity or it's not a load-bearing product, right? Um, but instead, you know, you perform either in a rain screen or from, you know, a little bit more of a, uh, an acoustic performance, uh, you, you play a really, really important role with our material. Hmm. Very cool. What, why do you think it's making waves as a, a building material now and that it's kind of picking up that momentum and steam? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. You know, especially in Europe, we see a lot of interest and a lot of innovators um, using mycelium or wanting to use uh, mycelium as a building material. I think you know part of that is is just you know government policies are really pushing innovators and entrepreneurs to look at different, more sustainable materials. Mm. You know, a lot of a lot of uh, governments in Europe have obviously. Um, you know, uh, committed to certain uh, carbon emission goals uh, between now and, you know, 2050 generally. Um, and they come to find that actually with the building plans that they have to tackle housing shortage, there's a mismatch between what they can emit between now and 2050 and the amount of housing and, and, and new structures that are required. And so there's this mismatch between goals of carbon emission and goals of, of you know, housing that is required. Um, and so people are being forced almost to find other better materials. Um, and yeah, we see a really big uptake in that, especially in Europe. We actually recently announced uh, the open patent program for Europe, the UK and uh, Israel, where we are opening up uh, the core mycelium composites patent in those geographies uh, for entrepreneurs to use freely. And the reason why we did that is because we saw uh, a big uptake in interest uh, in those markets of people who want to experiment it, not just in packaging, which is kind of the traditional focus of mycelium uh, composites, um, but in, in uh, especially in the construction industry as well. Um, in the past, we have licensed that out to individual parties or entrepreneurs uh, in those regions. Um, but we felt that we could um, trigger more innovation and a wider scale adaptation of the material if we would take kind of the barriers to entry down and allow anyone to use it. So yeah, we're really excited about that. Uh, we want to play a role in that industry by uh, supplying raw materials. So spawn the seed from which the mushroom grows and or substrate out of our uh, plant that we acquired in the Netherlands. And so yeah, we're planning to uh, make available material at the lowest cost possible so that as many people as possible can use this material and innovate with it and bring uh, sustainable materials to the market. Yeah, that's awesome. How, how long does the process take to develop uh, one of the, the, the bricks or, you know, to have a, a enough really to, to go out to the job site? You mean how long does it take to grow one piece of, uh, of, of mycelium-based, for example, a brick or a core? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so exactly. Depending on the strength you're looking for and depending on the size of the panel, right, that, that, could, that could be different. But let's take a brick as an example, right? If you think about a traditional sized brick, um, that will grow and self-assemble in four days, in a, in, sorry, in five days uh, in a uh, mold. And then once you take it out of the mold, um, you let it overgrow for one more day and then you bake it off to kill the organism and then you have a ready-made pro uh, ready product. So it, it takes kind of five to six days from start to finish. Um, wow. Yeah, it's uh, pretty quick. It's, yeah, it's pretty quick. Yeah, nature has uh, some really amazing uh, uh, properties for us. And uh, yeah, mycelium is, um, is an amazing uh, is an amazing product uh, that, that does all these things by itself, right? You let the mycelium grow into these agricultural waste products. And so the kind of the knife cuts on both sides. Yeah. Do you, uh, you need a special like covering to, to go on the outside of it or does that impact the, the carbon neutral aspect of it? On the final product you mean? Correct. No, no, you don't, you don't. I mean, like 
it would not be a great idea, although people have done it, uh, you know, to build structures that have exposure to the elements, um, you know, directly onto mycelium, right? Uh -huh. I, I don't, uh, people have built little structures out in the woods using mycelium uh, panels or bricks and that works, but obviously there's other issues with that, that that cannot be a mechanism to actually replace traditional bricks. Uh, we look at it much more from our perspective of it's an additional product where you can, for example, replace um, uh, isol insulation, right? So insulation that's used with petroleum, that's made with petroleum-based products mm. uh, can replace those pretty effectively uh, using mycelium-based uh, materials. Um, same thing for, for example, a sandwich panel. So yeah, we, uh, you know, obviously there's, there's all the products, all the things you can do with it. Like acoustic panels, for example, is a really good example uh, of a product that's usually made with an EPS type of phone. Mm -hmm. You can simply replace that with uh, mycelium-based material. Yeah, very cool. Uh, is there something that you'd you'd want to tell the world uh, about mycelium that maybe they that they don't know or there's a misconception out there? Yeah. I don't think there's necessarily a misconception about mycelium. Um, I think there is, um, you know, people think it's an easy product to use. Uh, and in a way it is, right? Like everyone can in their backyard or in their garage or in their kitchen grow some pieces of um, mycelium composites, right? That's really not very difficult. We actually sell both in the US and in Europe um, what we call our GIY bags. It's a grow-it-yourself, it's a play on obviously DIY, it's a grow-it-yourself uh, kit that people can experiment with at home and grow materials using our substrate. And that is different though from growing, for example, construction materials at scale, right? Like if you want to grow construction materials at scale, Pricing is going to be incredibly difficult. And what I tell to every single person and every single company who reaches out about our open patent program, for example, everyone wants to also make their own substrate. And I give everyone the advice not to do that, right? Like Ecovative has 15 years of experience in which strain to use. You know, we have our own proprietary strain that we are now making spawn with in our plant in the Netherlands. We know which substrates work well. We've We've tested, you know, over a hundred different substrates for this specific application. Mm -hmm. And so for people to start reinventing the wheel there, I think is a bad idea. Instead, what I would tell the world is try to figure out a way to make large mycelium panels that can be cost competitive with incumbent products in the construction industry and focus on that production um, process, really focus on how do I get the highest quality product at the largest scale possible? And once you find that, that's when you have a real um, opportunity to enter the market and compete with incumbent products that are, you know, not great for the environment. So I think if I would give any advice to, you know, large and small businesses out there is to focus on that production system. How do I scale this appropriately? The industry is struggling with a communication problem and a lack of interoperability. This is causing 25% of data being recreated and almost $300 billion loss due to bad communication. Great Tech Group believes that is a problem. So they created Data Connect, 
an easy to use, no code platform that connects critical ERP systems with cost management to form a single source of truth to empower better communication, decision-making and project efficiency, delivering the ultimate business outcome of being on time and on budget. Visit asti.com slash data connect to start saving time and money. Mm, interesting. So what are some of the, let's drill into the potential benefits of mycelium based construction materials in terms of kind of the, the energy efficiency, the cost effectiveness, and just overall impact on sustainability. Our mycelium uh, products, our mycelium based composites um, have really pretty good uh, insulation performance. Um, the R value can be comparative to uh, comparable to um, traditional materials, uh, but you might need slightly more of it, right? Like that's why adaptation in the American market will be more difficult than it is in the European market, because in the European market, walls generally have some more space for more material to get, uh, to get in there as, as insulation material and therefore compete with, uh, with a traditional product. So yeah, I think, um, uh, from an acoustics perspective, it's also, uh, comparative to, um, to incumbent products. And, uh, yeah, I think there's definitely some more research to be done there. Um, but it has some really amazing properties of itself, right? So mycelium is naturally hydrophobic, is naturally, uh, fire resistant. Um, and there's, um, there's a lot of ways to go with that. Yeah. Very cool. Do you see it picking up steam more in the, the U S to try to compete with our, our European friends? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's definitely. There's definitely a, a long way to go, but I see a real shift, right? Like at Autodesk University, there was a lot of interest in uh, the module that uh, Autodesk and Factory OS, OS put there in, in, in collaboration with, uh, with Chrysler and MBH. Um, you know, the, the, it was really the talk of the town and a lot of people are very, very interested in how are we actually going to do this together, right? Like what, what are the barriers for this to be implemented at scale? And I think if uh, a group like that actually shows leadership, it doesn't just look at, you know, the immediate cost impact because yeah, if you're going to compare today, a cheap, terrible material like polyiso with a, um, uh, mycelium based composites that we are making right now in a plant that is not pro appropriately set up for building materials, right? At the plant, we have a 20,000 square feet plant in Troy, New York. Um, that's been set up for packaging. That's not set up for building materials. If a company, if a, if a group of companies like that shows leadership and decides that not just for the immediate future, we're going to look at, you know, how can we cost compete with the incumbent product, but they think of it as a demonstration to themselves and to the world of how can we actually get this uh, carbon negative material implemented. I think that would be a massive first step and, and each and every one of these companies that are involved have, you know, are, are completely invested in it and they're amazing people to work with because they look at it from a longer term perspective. They're really showing leadership and how do you get this product uh, out in the world and how do we actually build a, a building with it? That's awesome. What, what do you think is, uh, behind that, that momentum shift coming up in the, the U S I, I think there's definitely a lot more exposure 
in the press and in politics um, for the need of uh, some real drastic measurements uh, in terms of using more sustainable materials, especially in the construction industry. Mm -hmm. And um, I think there are certainly uh, certain incentives out there uh, from local governments uh, who allow companies to tap into certain funds to uh, to do that. This specific project, I don't believe, is focused on that, but there's definitely incentives out there in the markets for people to use alternative materials. So I think that definitely will drive some of that um, uh, more enthusiasm uh, of companies to to start looking at alternative materials. Mm. Interesting. So one of the kind of the key aspects of sustainable housing is obviously reducing the the waste that is involved, which is plenty in the the construction industry. Uh, how does this really help uh, address the the issue of reducing just construction waste in general? And uh, what do you see as the the long term implications for construction waste? Yeah, I think you you know the, the the immediate difference, right, is are materials compostable? I mean, if you um, break up one of these core materials or these these core panels that we are using there or our packaging, if you break mm -hmm. it up and you throw it in your yard, four weeks later it's gone. It will have returned nutrients to the earth and it will have been composted. Um, if it ends up in the ocean, I believe it will take about 180 days to marine compost. So, you know, that right out of the gate is completely different than the 500 years that EPS from takes to be, you know, degraded in landfill. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, immediately a material aspect there where a mycelium-based product, or, or there's, there's lots of other products out there, by the way, right? Like if you look at packaging, there's amazing innovations being done right now with seaweeds, with uh, uh, shrimp shells, um, you name it. There's there's amazing products out in the market, um, and I think it's a it's a really great movement that more people are looking at it. In the building sector, that's always difficult, right? Like people will go for cost and people will go for reliability. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, can you get a material in at small benchtop scale? You know, a mock-up model. Sure, lots of people have done that. Not that not that hard to achieve because. People want to be a part of it. They want to put it on their social media. They want to have that halo. Having it actually implemented in a building where people are going to live in, that's a different game. And um, yeah, looks like we're getting close. What what role do you see the materials kind of playing in, in future building? You know, from a carbon emissions perspective, as well as from an end-of-life perspective, um, you know, the, the building and construction industry will have to look at different uh, alternatives, um, whether that's mycelium-based or whether there's another product, um, you know, is kind of the big question, right? And I, I think there's definitely still time uh, for, for that to be figured out. Um, but yeah, I, I do really see an uptick in, in importance in the, near, in the near future for more sustainable materials. Consumers are demanding it. Governments are demanding it. Eventually, the people who are actually building these, uh, these buildings will follow as well, uh, and they'll see the advantage in it. Not just from a marketing perspective, right, which is a big part of the question today or a big part of the incentive today, mm -hmm. but they will also see um, other incentives, um, including just building better buildings that, you know, have the same lifespan as a traditional material building, um, but there's a combination between traditional materials and, and innovative, sustainable materials. So I, I really see that combination as a very important Thing for the future yeah where do you see the uh, mycelium technology 
moving over the the next couple of years? I think my stadium still has a lot of things to give to us as as humanity or as as society, right? Like there's not it's not like we're scratching the surface. I, I think we're 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 really getting to places with lots of different uh, materials already out in the market, right? Including the 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 plastic free leather and foam. Um, things like uh, like food products and 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 packaging and building materials, um, but balsa wood, for example, is another uh, material that can be uh, very well replaced by mycelium, uh, and is something that we've looked at in the past, and and is also an amazing uh, material uh, that we can potentially bring to market. Yeah, interesting. What does one of the core tenets of the podcast is is around innovation? We we love to spotlight innovation and uh, kind of drill down deep into what that looks like for construction. What is innovation? What does that mean to you? Innovation uh, to me, especially in, in the construction industry uh, and in the packaging industry alike, um, really in, in the in the entire alternative materials space, uh, to me means that you're actually bringing a real product to the market that makes a difference, right? Too many so-called sustainable materials out there today still have a lot of polyurethane uh, and other plastics incorporated in them. I think if you're going to try to make a difference, you really need to come up with a material that is fully sustainable, right? And, and completely natural. Um, our, our leather and foam product, for example, is really revolutionizing, I think, uh, where there's no uh, plastic layer, there's no plastic mixed into the mycelium. And I think that those kind of things will actually really um, set the tone for innovation in that space is really coming with a material that's different and that doesn't still use, um, you know, plastics because, you know, plastic is an amazing material, right? It's just really bad for us, for the environment. And so I think if you really want to innovate, you, you should try to stay away from that and, and, um, come up with a, a revolutionizing product rather than still using some of those old tricks that we've been used to for the past however many years. Yeah. How do you get the word out there more to create that groundswell to just even create the awareness and education that there are other products out there and to, you know, I think we, we all are aware that plastic isn't great, but how do we kind of get off of our dependence on, on plastics? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think, um, you know, a, a lot of that goes organically. Uh, there's a lot of uh, universities who are um, putting a putting a heightened focus on that. Uh, there's a lot of talk about it in the press and politics. Um, I think uh, a lot of it is kind of organically growing the interest of uh, this generation, right? Who wants to make a difference, and uh, we see it in, for example, Europe with the number of licensing requests we get, and you know, on the back of that, we we rolled out that patent. It's the same thing here in, in the United States and in Canada. You know, people really are interested to make a difference. And so I think that will propel itself uh, into a, a more significant industry. Right now, it's it's pretty small. Uh, but in the future, I, I have good hopes for, you know, the sustainable materials uh, sector to to grow and play, a, play an important role. Yeah, cool. How do people find out more information on what you guys are doing at Ecovative or connect with you? Yeah, go to ecovative.com. Uh, there's a lot of uh, information on there. Uh, people want to use the material and experiment with it. Uh, we have a website, uh, 
growth.bio uh, for the American market where they can order materials to experiment with at home. Or if you are based in, in Europe or anywhere else in the world, it's bio with an N at the end uh, where you can uh, order those materials and, and start experimenting with it. Um, everyone's free to reach out and, and, and connect with me uh, via email if they're interested to learn more about our open patent program uh, or about licensing in other parts of the world. I'm always happy to reach out and, and connect with people and help them uh, move forward. Awesome. Well, final question for you. If I could give you all power, you could snap your fingers and innovate one thing in the industry. What would you pick to innovate? Let's look at the building and construction materials for uh, with my ceiling-based materials. It, it goes back to what I said earlier. If I could snap my fingers, there would be someone who figures out how to really make these large, uh, for example, insulation panels at scale uh, who have the same R value as, as uh, incumbent materials uh, and at a cost uh, competitive price. I think that would be a massive game changer for the construction industry. Um, and obviously, um, you know, mycelium is, uh, will play, a, will play a, a really important role in that if someone figures out how to do that at scale. Mm -hmm. We are not focused on that today, um, but I think uh, in the future, there's definitely opportunities there uh, on both sides of the ocean uh, really to, um, to innovate. And so I'm hopeful that uh, the near future that that will happen. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Thomas, thanks so much for taking the time. I, I think it's a super cool product and, and what you guys are, are doing over there is, is awesome. So uh, thanks for taking the time and explaining it some. Amazing. Thanks so much for having me, Todd. And I appreciate your time. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take, Mycelium presents a fascinating and exciting opportunity for introducing sustainable materials into the world of construction. Its unique properties and eco-friendly nature make it a standout choice. Second take, when we talk about sustainability initiatives, it's crucial to adopt a long-term perspective. We must consider not only the immediate benefits, but also the enduring strategy and dedication required for lasting positive impacts. And final take, as the construction industry continues its journey towards sustainability, we can anticipate a convergence of innovative materials with traditional construction processes. This ongoing evolution promises continuous improvements in how we build and create a more eco-conscious future. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software Great Tech Group at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant. Edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software Great Tech Group production. Copyright Applied Software Great Tech Group 2024.